1: Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 37th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast.
0: Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And
1: this is Denise. And today we are going to South Africa to the Lord Milner Hotel. This should be a good one, Denise. Absolutely. We haven't been to Africa
0: yet, I don't believe.
1: No, we definitely have not. Before we get into talking about the Lord Milner Hotel, we do want to give a shout out to Troy, who gave us a comment on the website. Troy said, love the show. You two do a great job. Well, thanks so much for listening, Troy. We greatly appreciate the support. And... I also heard from David over at the Kettle Whistle radio show. He let us know that he'd heard from some friends that they really enjoyed the Marilyn Monroe podcast, and he was looking forward to listening to it himself. I just let him know we really enjoyed it ourselves. So If you haven't caught that one, make sure you do. Otherwise, Marilyn, I don't know. You know, we kept talking about the synchronicities we were having when we were researching that and everything, Denise. And for anybody who's friends with us or has liked our History Goes Bump page over at Facebook, we posted a picture When we were going through the grocery store, there were actually two magazines that had Marilyn featured on the cover. And we were like, well, that's weird that we just happened to do our show on Marilyn Monroe. And there she is on the cover of two magazines. And yesterday we're walking through one of the Disney parks and saw two shirts that had Marilyn Monroe on them. I'm like, we're surrounded by Marilyn. What's she trying to tell us?
0: Yeah, so it's always funny. It's like, is she really showing up more or are we just noticing her more since we did the show? But I don't really remember seeing too much Marilyn stuff before this. So,
1: Well, you know, the theory can go two different ways. It could be it's synchronicity and she's trying to send us a message or something. But then there's also the whole old adage of when you go out and buy a new car, all of a sudden you start seeing the car that you just bought on the road all over the place. And it's just because that's your car. It's on your mind. It's kind of like... Every time I look at the clock, it's 1014. And that's my birth date. And I think the only reason I really notice that is since it's my birth date, it has significance to me. Hmm, that, that's a good thought as well. Or it could mean something ominous. And I'm going to find out one day. On like uh, 1014? Yeah, <laughs> that may not be such a good birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the one birthday I really don't want to remember. If you'd like to check out anything you want to know about the show, you can find that at HistoryGoesBump.com. You can check out our Emporium there, our archives of the shows, where you can find the blog, which has all the show notes for each individual show, which you will want to check out for today because we've got some great pictures and video to share with you. Also, you can donate to the show over there. Also, where you can find the show and where you can find us on social media. We'd love to get your reviews over at iTunes and Stitcher. And when I say love, I mean love, 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 love. And if you don't like writing or you don't know what to say, you can actually just do stars. You don't even have to say anything. So if you just want to go over there and click on some stars, we would really, really, really appreciate it. It really helps the show get up in the rankings. And Denise, I was so excited the other day. I went in to look at the history category in iTunes, and we were number 180. And so I'm like, well, I wonder how many shows there are that's in the history category. So I started counting, and by the time I got to 2,000, I said, you know what? I'm done counting. I don't want to count anymore. So I feel pretty good about where the show is, but we really, you know, we want to get a lot higher than that 180 because you got to scroll down a long ways to get to show 180. So I'd like to get us a little bit closer to the top. So we would love to get your reviews. And I don't know how the algorithms work at iTunes. I don't know if it's based on listens based on reviews if it's based on a mixture of both but uh, we would love to get both so and if you haven't subscribed to the show you can do that either at stitcher or at itunes as well or tune in we've got a lot of followers over there too i think the last time i checked we had about 127 so thank you to all of you for listening supporting the show and again if you really like the show we know a lot of you are already doing this so i might be preaching to the choir but please share it that's the best way to get it out you know Denise and I don't know a ton of people, so it, it can only get out as, to as many people as we know. So we just have to kind of spread the love. We would appreciate it again. Like
0: that old shampoo commercial. I I might be dating myself and it might be before your time, Diane, but (laughs) remember the one where she would say, I can't, it was Fabergé or something. She'd say, and then I told one or, you know, then there was another one and her face just kept multiplying. And then they told a friend and a friend and a friend. And pretty soon there was all these faces of her. Do you remember that? No.
1: You know, they might have shown us a movie in sex ed in, in school showing and sex us. ed about shampoo commercials? <laughs> like, no, but you know how you share it with this person and then with that person and then it goes to this person and
0: then this person. <laughs> okay, so to our <laughs> listeners, please go with the shampoo commercial rather than STDs or something because I'd much rather have our show compared to clean, pretty, yummy smelling sh- shampoo than a sexually transmitted disease. Oh, you're just so boring. Yay, we are better than syphilis
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's not saying much (laughs) Denise, if we're going to be talking about South Africa like we are today There is a legend that we have to tell to go along with it You can't talk about South Africa and hauntings without talking about The Legend of the Flying Dutchman The Legend of the Flying Dutchman is said to have started in 1641 When a Dutch ship sank off the coast of the Cape of Good Hope I think their hope was gone, and it was
0: not good. Well, and whose hope? Is that Africa's hope or the Dutch hope? Because obviously for the Dutch, it wasn't working.
1: Captain Van der Decken was pleased. The trip to the Far East had been highly successful, and at last they were on their way home to Holland. As the ship approached the tip of Africa, the captain thought that he should make a suggestion to the Dutch East India Company, his employers, to start a settlement at the Cape on the tip of Africa, thereby providing a welcome respite to ships at sea. He was so deep in thought that he failed to notice the dark clouds looming, and only when he heard the lookout scream out in terror did he realize that they had sailed straight into a fierce storm. That is somebody who is highly distracted. Now, I can get like squirrel, but that's worse than me. I would at least notice that I'm in the middle of a storm.
0: Of course, if I was sleeping, forget it, I wouldn't notice nothing. That's true. You wouldn't. Mm -mm.
1: The captain and his crew battled for hours to get out of the storm, and at one stage it looked like they would make it. Then they heard a sickening crunch. Mm. The ship had hit treacherous rocks and began to sink. As the ship plunged downwards, Captain Vanderdecken knew that death was approaching. He was not ready to die and screamed out a curse. I will round this cape even if I have to keep sailing until doomsday. So, even today, whenever a storm brews off the Cape of Good Hope, if you look into the eye of the storm, you will be able to see the ship and its captain, the Flying Dutchman. Don't look too carefully for the old folk claim that whoever sights the ship will die a terrible death. Many people have claimed to have seen the Flying Dutchman, including the crew of a German submarine boat during World War II and holiday makers. On July 11, 1881, the Royal Navy ship, the Bashant was rounding the tip of Africa when they were confronted with the sight of the Flying Dutchman. The midshipman, a prince who later became King George V, recorded that the lookout man and the officer of the watch had seen the flying dutchman and he used these words to describe the ship quote a strange red light as of a phantom ship all aglow in the midst of which light the mast spars and sails of a brig 200 yards distant stood out in strong relief it's a pity that the lookout saw the flying dutchman for soon after on the same trip he accidentally fell from a mast and died fortunately for the english royal family the young midshipman
0: survived the curse I'd never heard the legend of the Flying Dutchman, but now we know. Yeah, I'd never heard the actual legend. I've heard the term the Flying Dutchman, and, you know, I know that that's been used a lot, but I never knew the legend behind it, so that's cool. Indeed.
1: Well, now we're going to find out a little bit about the legends that go with the Lord Milner Hotel. Like to support the show, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash history goes bump. Or perhaps you just want to make a one-time donation. Click the donate button on our website at historygoesbump.com. Welcome
0: to this moment in oddity History.
1: French doctor Francois Marisot wrote a book in 1688 titled, The Diseases of Women with Children. Now, most people would hear that title and wonder to themselves, what kind of diseases do mothers have that non-mothers do not have? Does the birthing of children bring certain diseases? Apparently, Dr. Marisot thought so, but that's not surprising considering his thoughts on breastfeeding. The good doctor wrote, quote, the necessary conditions in a good nurse are usually taken from her age. The time and manner of her labor, the good constitution of all the parts of her body, and particularly of her breasts, from the nature of her milk and from her good manners. She must not be red-haired nor marked with red spots. She ought to have a sweet voice to please and rejoice the child, and likewise ought to have a clear and free pronunciation, that he may not learn an ill accent from her, as usually red-haired women have." The doctor went on to advise against the use of wet nurses with stinky breath or bad teeth, and that the breasts, quote, ought to be pretty big, but not big to excess, and not flaggy and hanging. Would any of those things have to do with breastfeeding? We do not know, but Dr. Marisot claimed that red-haired women's breast milk was, quote, hot, sharp, and stinking, and also of an ill taste, end quote. How he knew this? Well, we'll let you imagine how he knew, but one thing's for sure, that doctor's advice on breastfeeding certainly is odd.
0: Day, March 31st, in 1822, the Ottoman Turks began a massacre of the Greek people of the island of Chios. The island of Chios was under the rule of the Ottoman Empire in 1822. The Greek people who lived there were tired of living under the Ottoman thumb, even though the island was very prosperous under the Turks and they were given much control over their own affairs. The Greek Revolution had started in 1821 and followed a string of attempts by the Greeks throughout the centuries of Ottoman rule to gain their independence. Armed Greeks from the island of Samos were already a part of the revolution, and they traveled to Chios to convince the Chians to join the fight. The Greeks attacked the Turks and they were successful, driving them back to the citadel. Only a few of the Chians had joined the other Greeks, but the island population would pay a terrible price. A Turkish fleet arrives on March 22nd to back up their comrades, And when they came ashore, they pillaged and looted the island. On March 31st, a heinous order was given that would be carried out over the next four months. Not only was the entire town burned, but the Turks slaughtered every child under three years of age, all males 12 and older, and all women over the age of 40. The only thing that would save a person was conversion to Islam. In all, 52,000 were enslaved and 52,000 were killed. Hey, This is Christopher and this is Joe from the Curioso podcast and here at the Curioso when we want to listen to
1: ghost tours for the theater of the mind we listen to the history goes bump podcast.
0: The Lord Milner Hotel appears to be a mashup of old Victorian London and a medieval castle. The hotel is located in Fontaine on the Grand Karoo in South Africa and sits along National Highway N1 that links Cape Town to Johannesburg. The hotel is lauded as a tranquil escape, but some parts of the hotel seem to be disturbed. Could there be spirits at unrest in this historic old building?
1: The original inhabitants
0: of the region that would become
1: known as Machis Fontaine were from two distinct groups, the Khoikhoi Khoi people and the San. The term Khoikhoi Khoi means real people. They had traveled from Botswana and were agricultural people. They raised livestock and planted their food. The San are also known as bushmen, they were hunter gatherers. The two groups did have some mixing together, but for the most part, they did not get along. European explorers led by the Dutch East India Company arrived in the area and things went downhill for the tribes from there. The Europeans brought smallpox and warfare began. The Khoikhoi were eventually driven from the land.
0: In the 1800s, the Cape government railways would bring civilization to Machis Fontaine. The prime minister at the time drew a line through South Africa and directed his engineers to build a railway where this line ran. Machis Fontaine became a small stop along the railway when it opened in 1878. The station was named for a sedge that was used to make mats that were used in the construction of huts. There was a farm near the depot, but that is all that existed until 1884. A young Scotsman by the name of James Logan would change the future of Machis Fontaine permanently. Logan had been born in Berwickshire in 1857. He decided to head to Australia to make his fortune but a shipwreck at the Cape of Good Hope stopped him in his tracks. He got a job with the Cape Town Railway Station and worked his way up to station manager. He then became district superintendent of the line between Tuz River and Prince Albert Road. He later quit his job with the railway to purchase a hotel in Tuz and a wholesale liquor store in Cape Town. When Logan discovered a farm and land were for sale cheap at Machi's Fontaine and that the railway ran through there, he purchased it quickly. As an added bonus, he found the air to be good for his weak chest. And like any great entrepreneur, he saw a need and decided to fill it.
1: Interesting how he had a wreck at the Cape of Good Hope as well. So Apparently not a good place to uh, be sailing around. The Cape of Good Hope, don't sail around that.
0: <laughs> it's not hopeful.
1: <laughs> you have no hope of getting around the Cape of Good Hope. The Cape Government Railways was efficient at moving people around, but not at feeding people. There were no dining cars as part of the train. People would arrive at Machi's Fontaine and stretch their legs, but there was nothing to feed them. Logan received a government catering contract and started to build a village on the land he had bought. Logan built a refreshment station for travelers. He also built his home, Tweedside Lodge, and planted trees and a garden. He wanted to create an oasis. Then he built the Lord Milner Hotel in 1899, which helped to make the area a fashionable place to not only visit, but to stay for a period of time. Visitors included Lord Randolph Churchill and Rudyard Kipling. The author Olive Schreiner lived in a cottage on the property for five years. The mineral water business near the Lord Milner Hotel is still considered remarkable to this day. When the Lord Milner Hotel opened in 1899, it found itself serving another purpose altogether. The Boer War had started around the same time, and the hotel served as the headquarters of the Cape Western Command. 10,000 soldiers and 20,000 horses lived at Majis Fontaine. The village served as a base hospital as well.
0: James Logan died in 1920. His son and daughter ran the hotel and the village for many years after that and then sold it to David Rowden in the 1960s. He was a successful hotel owner and he dedicated himself to restoring the Lord Milner Hotel. He reopened it in 1970. In 1975, the entire village of Meiji's Fontaine was declared a National Historic Site. David Rodden passed away in 2010. His nephew, Jonathan Rodden, took over the reins and now runs the hotel along with the help from his siblings and other family members.
1: The hotel offers 58 rooms, all without televisions, a suite, villas, and cottages along with a restaurant and the Laird's Arms is a pub right next door where patrons can hear Johnny at the piano. There's a double-decker bus on property to take visitors for a quick tour of the village. Attractions include a railway museum with a collection of well-restored railway carriages and an 1893 Glasgow Belt steam locomotive. Another museum is dedicated to Olive Schreiner, author of The Story of an African Farm who lived here from 1890 to 1895.
0: But more than just antiques and museum, artifacts from the past exist here at the Lord Milner Hotel. Spirits from the past seem to be hanging out in the village and at the hotel. Many of the ghosts reputed to be at the Lord Milner Hotel are said to be cheerful. Their disembodied laughter is heard while they play an unseen game of billiards. The Logan family claimed to host many spirits, and these spirits seemed to have a bit of trouble with doors. The Logans would marvel over rattling doorknobs. A woman named Jennifer had just had her wedding at the Magnificent Hotel. She was busily packing up her gifts when the doorknob began to rattle. The sound carried on rather quietly for a bit, But the spirit seemed to grow impatient, and soon the rattling was so loud, Jennifer could ignore it no longer. She threw open the door and roared, Fine, come in if you must. Don't make such a damn noise about it. A blast of cold air shot past her and out through the window. The ghost did not bother her anymore.
1: Since the Lord Milner Hotel was a place used in wartime, it's not surprising that the ghosts of soldiers are seen here. A wounded British soldier seen near the cemetery. His arm's in a sling and there's a bandage wrapped around his head. When people stop to help the man, he disappears. Other soldiers hang out on the stairway at the hotel. But do not ask the staff about them because they will claim that nothing paranormal has ever happened at the place.
0: I wonder why that is. The author Olive Schreiner has not left the place yet. She really enjoys hanging out at the Laird's Arms and James Logan joins her on occasion. He was the creator of an oasis in the desert, so one can understand his desire to stay even after death. Logan is seen in all the lounges and in the hotel. Lights flicker on and off in the lounges as well, and apparently in the bathroom. A journalist was writing about her stay at the hotel and how she had not experienced any ghosts until she went into the bathroom. She closed the door, and the light immediately went out. She turned it on, walked away, and it went out again. She figured it was faulty wiring and turned the light on again. Yes, it turned off once again. She got fed up and hollered something to the effect of, quote, I need to use the loo and I don't want to go in the dark. Please leave the lights on, end quote. The light stayed on. Another female ghost named Lucy was caught in a lover's fight. She wanders the hallways in a nightgown crying.
1: And we do have a picture in the show notes Featuring one of the employees at the hotel, we'll talk about an experience that he had. It's Johnny, who likes to play at the piano there in the Lair's Arms. And he had some hotel guests come up to him and say, Hey, we'd love to get our little girls' pictures with you, Johnny. And he said, Oh, yeah, I would love to to take a picture with your family. And I can't see what Johnny is holding the picture, but he's seated between these two little girls. And behind one of the little girls is a ghostly image. Now, for people who might think that this was photoshopped or something, keep in mind that this oasis in the desert doesn't have a whole lot of technology, so probably no photoshop there. So you can look at the picture and decide for yourselves, but something that helps to convince me that this could really be a ghost in this picture. Denise, when you're looking at that picture, I typed over the little girl on the right-hand side. Does this little girl see the ghost? What does it look like she's looking at?
0: It certainly appears that way, that she's looking right at the ghost. And the other thing, looking at the photograph, is there's a weird light on the little girl that the apparition is behind.
1: It is. It almost looks like, I mean, unless she's standing right next to a window, because, of course, we can't see what's on that side of her, so it could be that we're getting some sun through a window, but it looks like her hair is really bright on that side Mm -hmm. where the ghost is standing kind of behind her.
0: And her arm, her upper arm, her whole upper arm is like almost whited out.
1: And her other arm looks like it's pointing over Johnny's head towards something,
0: doesn't it? Looks like she's holding it up and pointing somewhere. Mm. Well, I mean, the the apparition's arm is pointing, but the little girl's arm... Oh, oh,
1: I see what you're saying. Yeah, her arm is almost... Yeah, you almost can't see it because it's so bright. Yeah. The other interesting thing is when Johnny was telling this story to the journalist who uh, had this picture on their website, he said that the little girl had asked something to the effect of... And I can't remember the word that she used. She didn't say who was the woman, but it... It's, you know, some kind of slang term that they probably use in South Africa or something. and But basically it was to the effect of, who's the woman over there? Johnny had kind of laughed and the parents had laughed like, what's she talking about? Well, when the parents got home and they'd gotten the pictures done, they sent this picture to Johnny and said, now we know what our little girl was talking about. And so uh, it's a compelling picture, I mm-hmm. have to say. Uh, something else compelling, since we're talking about compelling pictures is I have a friend that sent me a video yesterday featuring a ghost walking through Disneyland. If you are someone who follows us on Facebook on our History Ghost Bump page, or if you're a part of the Spectacular crew, one of the reasons why you want to join the group, because we put stuff over there that you may not see elsewhere, you can check out that video and see what you think about it. As we always say, we are open-minded skeptics. I was pretty convinced we were looking at a ghost in that video. I don't know what else it could have been.
0: Well, the thing is, is you could say, well, it might be light. It might be this. It might be something on the lens. But it was four different camera shots that literally followed this figure all the way, like, through the park. So it wasn't just one area. It wasn't just maybe one reflection, some weird thing. I mean, it kept going and going in all different lighting, different camera angles. And so I, I was, like, looking, and you could definitely see a figure. And it went through the gate. Yeah. The, the
1: figure went through the gate. So yeah. it was like... Because it, it, to me, it almost looked like it was walking on the grounds of the haunted mansion and coming through the gate that's
0: there. That's what it looked like to me at the beginning. And then continued through different parts of Disneyland. So. Yeah.
1: So I mean, there. I don't know. People can do all kinds of things with video and photoshopping, but it was it was such a light looking apparition. You, there were you almost couldn't see it. It was as if you could see the wind blowing
0: almost. But then you would see like legs and then it would yeah. kind of fade out. And so, yeah.
1: Which is why it made me go, I mean, if somebody was going to Photoshop something, you would think they'd have a, a pretty, you'd, you'd see the ghost really well kind of thing that they'd make it so that you could kind of see through it, but that it was pretty full body. But this was like, I can kind of make out a head. And then all of a sudden I'm kind of seeing arms and now I'm kind of seeing legs. It reminded me of the video at the police station that was going around and went viral a few months back i can't remember what police station it was but it was outside on their grounds and their closed circuit tv had picked it up and the guy walked through the chain link fence there as well and it was it was the same kind of effect where it was like you can kind of make out a human form but it's not full real you know it's not full color or real um apparent it was very very see through The disembodied sound of cards shuffling is heard on the second floor in a small room, and a ghost named Kate claims to be the card lover. And that could be possible because there was a young nurse of 19 named Kate who cared for wounded soldiers here during the Boer War. She loved to play cards with her patients. She passed away mysteriously.
0: A housekeeper by the name of Jean Duploy tells the following story. She was alone in the hotel while it was being refitted. The night after the workmen had finished laying new wall-to-wall carpets, Jean was awakened by a ringing at the door. She clambered out of bed and went downstairs, expecting to have to turn away some would-be guests. She opened the door and was confronted by five rather peculiar travelers. All she could see of them was their upper bodies. In her astonishment, she blurted out the thought most on her mind, For God's sake, don't make a mess of the new carpets. The ghost stared at her blankly, looked down at their invisible feet, and vanished.
1: Denise, if somebody showed up at our front door and all I could see was their upper body, I think the last thing on my mind is telling them not to mess up our carpet. Really? I
0: have a feeling you would say, don't step on the tile, I just cleaned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: I think I would be slamming the door shut and running upstairs and jumping (laughs) underneath my covers.
0: She'd be like, hey, stop it. At least that's what you tell me and the girls.
1: But here's the thing. If if they don't have... If they don't have their lower parts of their bodies, how are they going to mess up the carpet anyway? They don't have any feet. I know, but
0: maybe in your shock, you would just go, I don't know. Maybe (laughs) she was just in complete shock. So that was the first thing. Who knows?
1: (laughs) Apparently, there's a movie out there called The Story of an African Farm, which is based on the book that Olive Schreiner wrote while she was here at the Lord Milner Hotel. And the crew that was filming that movie had several experiences while they were there because they were filming it on location. A ghostly presence joined the cast and crew filming the story of an African farm on location near Majis Fontaine, witnesses claimed. The film starring Swazi land born actor Richard E. Grant and local actress Karen Vanderlog, will be released at the Cannes Film Festival in May. Producer Bonnie Rodini said she first met the ethereal resident of the farm Zoot Kloof when she was location hunting eight years ago. Rodini recalled how the hair on the back of her neck stood up one day when she was photographing the derelict farmhouse. I called somebody outside to come with me, walked on, and took a picture. When Rodini had the film developed, she saw something on the wall that she photographed. I turned the print upside down and saw it was a woman in a flowing white dress. Later, after the farmhouse was restored for the movie, Rodini was reluctant to tell fellow crew members about the farm's ghostly resident. Some of the crew felt a presence in the house while we were filming, especially people from the art department who spent a lot of time in the house, she said. By the end of the six-week shoot, security guards also saw the woman. One night, the security guards heard a noise and saw a woman in white storming down the passage of the farmhouse. A few nights later, she opened the front door and you could see her from the yard, said Rodini. But it was not only at Zoot Kloof that the cast had strange experiences. Video operator Marco Rinaldi had to move out of his room in the Lord Milner Hotel in Mashi's Fontaine after repeatedly waking up with a strange feeling in the middle of the night. It continuously felt like someone was looking over my shoulder, he said. Local historian Rose Willis is convinced the ghost that Haunted the said is that of Louisa Margaret Green, the wife of a civil commissioner. She was traveling with her husband Henry, who was on his way to become the civil commissioner of Colesburg in the 1860s, but then she fell ill with dysentery and died at Zutkloof. Her ghost has been seen often. She wears a cappy, which is a bonnet, has a small waist, and wears flowing white clothes that look like they come from the 1860s, said Willis. And I just want to point out, again, here we have our woman in white. (laughs) I know, there's always a woman in white somewhere. Always. John Seams, manager of the Lord Milner Hotel, was not surprised at Rinaldi's experience. There have been many visitors here who told me they saw ghosts late at night. I've been here for seven years, and I used to feel scared when I had to close up the lounges late at night. At times, I felt the hairs on my neck stand up late
0: at night. The Lord Milner Hotel is a distinct oasis in the desert, but could it be something more? Could it be an oasis for spirits? Is the Lord Milner Hotel haunted? That is for you to decide.
1: And in our show notes today, I do have that story of the Legend of the Flying Dutchman that I read, a link to that if you want to check that out. We also have a link that is your official place to book any accommodations that you would like to make at Majis Fontaine. It is a very small village with the Lord Milner Hotel being the center of it, but there are other areas that you can stay on there, and there's a lot of things to check out. They have, of course, we mentioned the double-decker bus that takes you around. It's not a very long tour, but... There's lots of things to see out there. And since we do ghost tours here, they do offer ghost tours in South Africa. And the one that we have a link to is hosted by the Mystery Ghost Bus. So if you're ever going to be in that area, you can check that out. We also have a video that I got from the Mystery Ghost Bus website. And it is a paranormal investigation group out of South Africa. And they caught an entity on camera. And I don't know if it's closed circuit tv or if it's some camera that they had hooked up but denise when you're watching this video we'll just click this on you guys can check this out again in our show notes what do you think you're seeing here and it's the supernatural phenomenon investigation team of south africa so what you're going to be looking at here denise can you see on the sidewalk that it looks like there's kind of a little bit of a mist walking along that sidewalk Oh, yeah. You can just barely, it reminded me a lot of the video. Actually, it's in the grass, I think. Yeah, well, it was on the sidewalk and then it walked
0: over to the grass.
1: So this reminded me of the video from Disneyland and the one I was talking about at the police station. Same thing where it's, you barely can see this figure. That's how transparent it seems to be. So I thought that that was a a pretty compelling video too for people to check out. Right. And And get a little out. Yeah.
0: Well, the interesting thing about this one, it's in broad daylight. And so usually ghosts... You know what? You can still see
1: it walking across the driveway there. You see Yeah, it? you can. Walking back towards the carport there. That is really eerie.
0: Yeah. And like it's it is interesting because usually when you see ghostly apparitions, it's at it's like the pictures are at nighttime and this one is definitely not nighttime. And I would think if it was superimposed looking at it this way, now let's see what it does
1: with that car. Is it going to go through that car? You know what? I think it looked like it went through the car, Denise. It didn't go around it. The way the sun is on the driveway there, it's really, really bright. And so you can't see the ghost once it's on the driveway. That's why I, I wasn't really saying, oh, I'm still seeing it. And then all of a sudden it got to a darker part of the driveway and I'm like, oh, I, I can see it again. Mm-hmm. If you were superimposing something on that film or that picture, I would think that you'd not be clever enough to make it like it disappears into the light because it was so bright. And so you would still see the figure going across that area. So, again, another compelling video for the two of us who are skeptics. Absolutely. It always makes you go, what the hell was that?
0: What the hell was that thing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now we sound like a couple of rednecks. We're rednecks
0: from (laughs) Central Florida. Wilma, what the hell was that thing? (laughs) Sure wasn't a possum. Sorry not to make fun of any of our more country kind of listeners. Yeah, we
1: better not because we're going to be going through some of those areas here pretty soon. The uh, next show that we're going to be doing will be on the Lemp Mansion in Missouri. And we have shared a little bit of the story of Lemp Mansion on a previous podcast. If you will recall, Denise, when we were talking about the family where everybody committed suicide at that house, that's the Lemp Mansion. So we're going to talk about that and focus on that on our next show. So we hope you guys can join us for that. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
1: We're glad you joined us for this one. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now.
0: Bye-bye. Have a spooky experience that occurred at an historic location? Want to give us feedback or have a suggestion for the show? Share it with us at historygoesbump at com.